everyone. Welcome to episode number 40 of the New Slang Podcast. I'm Thomas Mooney, the editor-in-chief of New Slang here in Lubbock. And this week's episode, we have Co Wetzel and Parker McCollum on. Uh, they were both conveniently in town this past weekend, so um, Co was uh, playing at Blue Light and Parker was uh, playing this big show with Randy Rogers. And so, um, yeah, we I went in and grabbed both of them. And we talked for about an hour about uh, the current music scene, uh, some of their stuff coming up, uh, their influences, all that kind of good stuff, some stories. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun, I guess we, we talked about an hour or so. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, like, as far as anything I've written lately, there's this new George Strait piece. Uh, and I, I kind of allude to it in in this actual interview uh, that's out over on Wide Open Country. Um, they're about to start doing all their end of the year kind of stuff lists. So, like top albums and top songs, that kind of thing. Uh, I contributed to those things, so those should be coming out, I believe, uh, this Friday. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check those out as well if you get the chance. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, and this is like your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Go back and listen to our old episodes. There's some really good ones in there. Um, go ahead and rate the New Slang Podcast as well. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at underscore New Slang. You can go to Facebook and just search for New Slang and you'll find me there as well. Uh, Instagram is underscore New Slang as well. So, um, yeah, if you don't follow me on the social media and you want to stay current with the the shit I write and uh, say in these podcasts and whatnot, subscribe, uh, follow, all that kind of good stuff. We're going to get on to this interview with Parker and Colum now, though. shit um parker you just opened for turnpike during the acl taping thing yes how was that last night we got we got to start with that uh it was great dude um i'm a big fan of them and uh i don't know i think we uh we're paying for it today but we kind of slid it let it all go last night it was a, uh, it was fun it was very fun <laughs> yeah uh okay like how, how do you get on to something like that uh, like, man, uh, we were actually <clears throat> we were playing Graham Central Station in Oklahoma City in Brady. We were sound checking down and we were doing something, just standing around. He was like, "Turnpike's playing two nights at Moody. Wonder who's opening." So I just hollered and asked if we could open, and yeah, you know, and we then we sat around for like two months waiting on that show, just looking forward to it. Yeah, and then it happened. I mean, I don't I don't think they've uh, they've even played like a late night show yet you know what i mean but like yeah. austin city limits is i mean that's pbs that's good stuff right there i think like everyone kind of grew up on for sure dude. On we, austin city limits. when we got there we were just like i don't know we were little kids we were running around we were bullshitting like i don't know it was it was the absolute shit of an evening it yeah was great yeah uh i can't wait till that comes out i think like they're, they're doing like a stream of it on the fifth 
Well, they're doing like a show on Tuesday. I know that's like the actual taping. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know. I think if that's like f- the fifth. Yeah, or yeah, something like that. I was. I don't know if they filmed last night or just played or tomorrow night. Uh, or, if, or yeah, I know they're doing something on Tuesday. That's a taping. But dude, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a shit, dude. We never said uh, one word to any of them. Um, I never <laughs> saw any of them. I mean, you know, they're rock stars for sure. Yeah. You know, so we just try to stay the fuck out of the way and. You know, it's time to do our 45 minutes. We do our 40. It was great. Dude. The crowd was killer. And um, Co Wetzel's here also, by the way. He's here. Hey. <laughs> He's trying his best not to say anything. Yeah. Well, he was he was on this run of uh, <coughs> the the West Texas run of Midland. Yeah, right? Midland. We went Midland on Thursday and then Amarillo last night. And now we're at the Blur. Yeah. Midland. Midland. I, I feel like Midland's the, I don't know, like one of the worst places in America. <sighs> I'm from West Texas, so I can, I, I mean, it, I think it's bad. I don't know. It was great. We had a great crowd. It was just, Midland's like one of those places you show up and it's like, you're drunk before you even get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we were. We were, uh, I don't know. We got entirely too drunk. We shouldn't have been as drunk as we were, but we had a great time. Yeah. I, okay, so, like, one of the big things I was wanting to talk with you all about is the, <clears throat> I think, like, Texas country for a while got really boring, kind of got stale, just people making the same records. And in the last couple years, there's been an influx of, like, new voices, right, who are trying new things. Y'all are part of that. And um, there's a couple bands, I would say like Turnpike, with like their, just their story, right? The the, the world they're creating. They're fucking rad, dude. Like, so that's rad. something cool and new. I think like Josh has been uh, doing something really cool with his new record with the horn section and stuff, right? Um, I think like Boland, he's got like these new things. Like I, I hear like the, their new record's gonna be like a real old school progressive country throwback. Um, well, I guess what I'm saying though is like the the term Texas country uh, has it's been reinvigorated with a different sound, a lot of different kind of voices coming out. Um, like, what what do you think about like y'all's place in that? Like, do you did you even set out to sound differently, or did you just want to play music and then just start playing? And then it's now like everyone else kind of saying. Oh, you're doing something different. You're doing something yeah. different. I don't know, man. I guess, you know, I can remember telling my older brother, and he'll verify this. This is true. When I was like 12 or 13, uh, I told my older brother that I wanted to. I was like, man, I just one day I want to make like Texas country or Texas music or country music in general, whatever. Just kind of uh, <clears throat> be that uh, or just make it not be anything, dude. Just fucking make it real and really cool and happening again you know and i wouldn't say that was necessarily what anybody tried to do mm-hmm. uh you know that wasn't really where the efforts were directed but in the back of my mind i was always like you know if it, if that were to happen and we were you know lucky enough to kind of be i don't know fuck it cool in music you know and just like and, and you know the fans seem to want like real as real as it can get yes, they like they want the absolutely. music to be very real and yeah. uh Man, I think we were just, it just kind of was good timing on, you know, we were into really being honest about 
what we were writing about and the records that we're trying to put out. And you know, the fans seem to just totally be into that too. I don't think I don't think it was like we were trying ever trying to be, you know, like different. I mean, obviously we didn't want to or we didn't want to do, you know, what everybody else had done. It wasn't something that we were just like, oh, we're gonna do this just because it is so different than that. It's just whatever we were doing you know, this before yeah. it was before we were yeah. making money doing it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like not really anything has changed that we're doing. Yeah. It's just it's just how it comes now out. Because like I think like like my theory is that uh, Texas country y'all y'all haven't become Texas or I guess like y'all have become Texas country. Texas country used to not be as broad or as as, as expansive <coughs> of a label. You know what I mean? It used to be kind of just the more of the uh, the Pat Green kind of way right or like a kevin fowler or like a aaron watson randy kind of like that kind of right like the well dude when i was eight years old and pat green was rolling on like three days you know Mm -hmm. that's like a do that i think you grew up and like there's there's nothing grew up around though like for sure like i had an older brother who just who who six years older than me who just hammered that shit into my head for a long time i grew up in east texas so Mm -hmm. all i had was mainstream radio you know i grew up on like 90s country stuff like i'm sure which is the shit no doubt yeah but like y'all got to hear texas music and we didn't have any texas music stations so i didn't i didn't really get into texas music until you know high school yeah whenever josh Abbott and casey donahue and randy and all those guys were you know you know, blowing, killing it. You know, yeah. it's like that. That was what you listen. If you listen to Texas country music, that's what you listen to. So, like, I didn't grow up around that. So, I mean, it was just. I think that's why it's different for us because we didn't. I don't know. We didn't. You know, come in. Most of us did, but like I didn't. You know, I came from a lot different style of music than yeah. just listening to Texas music my whole life. Yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot of the new guys they're all from kind of like that small town right and in the small towns you only got that top layer of culture right mtv vh1 top 40 radio rock top 40 radio country so then like once you found the other world the other side i guess right or something else different it had like a bigger impact on everyone than than say like just if you you know were born and were raised on Texas country, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 90s country was was the shit, man. But I, I don't know, dude. It, it was more of a like me and Co didn't know each other until I don't know two years, pretty much three years ago. I don't know. He messaged me on Twitter when like Meet You in the Middle had first come out. It just came out. Yes, and he was like, "Yeah, that's good. What's up?" And then my I ended up meeting Jake, who was my tour manager. Who you know so. And he introduced me and Co. And so, it wasn't a, it wasn't anything we were trying to do at all, man. It was just kind of, you know, for I think a lot of it's luck, you know, and timing. But yeah, um, like I said, I think just the being really real about it, you know, and not trying to be anybody that, you know, you're, yeah, <laughs> you know. And we're just, I don't know, we just like we've been we were doing it before, yeah. you know. He was working at a golf course we were making no money we were broke as could possibly be jake wasn't even getting paid yeah um and we were just running around trying to play shows and i think co was sleeping on jake's couch like i don't know what a year year and a half ago (laughs) and it's just but we were still doing what we're doing now musically like yeah that that was still very much the vibe and and, uh and the vibe is trying to write 
heater ass songs and uh and you know maybe staying away from uh the formula of songwriting that has really really well, there's, not like, there's not a rule book yeah there's, there's no rule book yeah, we're not following a rule book at all well, like what we talked about the other day yeah. was that there's there's something inherently genuine about what you're writing yeah. and it's something that we're like that these kids are just tapping into yeah. and they can see that it's a real thing that you're not selling them a story yeah. um and that is that's something that we're I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like those. No, I feel like those kids, like the kids who are, are just gung ho about gung ho. Yeah, I'm gonna make that <laughs> that down. Yeah, yeah uh, gung ho. Yeah. <laughs> about yeah, I'll about tell you what. That's the unfair thing. It's his name rhymes with everything. Yeah. Well, like okay, like that article I wrote. Yeah. I was just thinking of like different ways the, like I I still think my favorite's like Co Nation. Co Nation. Yeah. Just oh, like that's a, a good one right there. <laughs> just the, the call everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they are the, I don't, I don't th- know if there's a, a more passionate fan base in Texas right now. Which is like peace. Like we're not trying to be anybody that we're not, you know, like what you hear is what you get with us. Like we're not, we're not trying to do something that somebody's already done and definitely having it in the back of our mind, you know, it's, it's while we're doing this, you know, it's influence for sure. But mm-hmm. I mean, we want. At the end of the day, we want to look back on it and be like, you know, we did everything exactly the way you wanted to do it. And uh, I don't know, man. People really, they see that, you know. It's not just music that they're getting blasted all the time. You know, you got you to gotta listen to this, you got to listen to that. They're kind of finding it, and they're like, holy shit, you know, I, I feel that. So, yeah. And that's what we want to give the fans. So. Yeah. Y- y'all want to talk about 90s country? I'm a, like a diehard 90s country guy. Not yet. Dude, <laughs> I'll tell you I feel like, you know, and it seems like every, like, wave of music or trend or whatever that comes along is, like, when it's hot and it's popular or whatever it's happening, there's all these people hating on it. And then when everybody's looking back, like, in retro, you know, like, in mm-hmm. hindsight's 2020, I know, but everybody's looking back, they're like, man, that was actually really good. 90s country is, like, a prime example of that. Yeah. I mean, it is, that is, I don't know, what is it, Ty Herndon uh, living in the... Uh, Living for the moment. What is the name of that song? We do we we. I'm telling you, we. What we matters really do. most? We, is, yeah. Do you guys love that song? By what is it? What What matters most? Or what mattered most? I, I don't think know it's if like I've heard that one. But dude, anyways, look at the chick in the video for that. <laughs> I heard the song. She's the most beautiful woman ever. But dude, Tim McGraw. I'm a huge Tim McGraw fan, and Tim's still putting out heaters for sure. I think. Absolutely. Like, well, he, he's a dude who can like pick out a song. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously he's not writing everything, but but he fuck, he's the one who covered. That uh, the that Laurie McKenna song, Wreck dude. You. I'll say, I'll say, I, that's like, like a. <clears throat> I was so so honed on like you know if you don't write your own songs like I don't know it's, it's more like I am in doing this and in this business and like the more nights I spend on the road hustling trying to do this and be successful at it like, man, I've kind of lost my bitter like dude. If you are a really talented singer and you're not a good songwriter, there's not not a reason you shouldn't be an artist. Like you should, yeah. you know, like there's so many artists that. That was kind of the way it was, it seemed, back in the day. Like, you didn't, I don't know, it was, like, more like there were songwriters and there were singers back in the day. Yeah. Now it's, like, this expectation of, and I definitely am, am guilty of that. I, like, co-writing is a thing I struggle with a lot. I wrote I Can't Breathe Same. with Mickey Braun from Mickey and the Motor Cars, and that was, like, the very first, besides my older brother, I'd written with him a little bit, um, time I had done co-writing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, so if Tim McGraw doesn't write all those songs, are heaters. Yeah. Those songs are great. Yeah. Uh, what is the uh, humble and kind? Yeah. Yeah, that song is amazing. Yeah. 
<clears throat> the thing that t- uh, okay on but no on, way he wrote that <laughs> on Twitter though uh, I was talking about George Strait the last couple of days and I had said something about the fact how like once George Strait covers a song it becomes like a George Strait song yeah. and people really took offense to that where it's like no I that's used him still as an like, example for this exact subject and all the time. somebody was like or not just somebody like a bunch of people were kind of like well you lost me on that point and I said well what do you th- do you think of like this song by uh, do you think of like Amarillo by Morning by Terry Stafford, who's like one of the guys who wrote it, or do you think of it as, Cole, as what did as you get tattooed George on your ass last night? Uh, tell this, tell all these people what you got tattooed on your Don't ass. Don't lose last your point night. that you're getting that. No, let's let's hear the story though. <laughs> all right, so like, like I said, Midland was a, a shit show. We all got super plastered. We didn't get to sleep till really, really late in the morning. Woke up and like first thing, like that was just morning. No, it was yesterday morning. Did it did happen last night? Yeah. No, it happened yesterday. But anyway, we leave Midland, and, like, I'm, we're drinking all the way. I, I should have been asleep, but I didn't. I didn't take a nap. I uh, went to the gas station, got chiladas and some palm breezes. I don't even know what the fuck a palm breeze is until yesterday. <laughs> and then um, we pull up to Hoots. I've never been to Hoots before, and there's a tattoo parlor right next door. So I'm about half lit. I'm like, hey, we're getting tattoos. Everybody's like, yeah, fuck yeah, we're going to get tattoos. So I walk in, I'm like, hey, I need something that symbolizes Amarillo. Um, and dude was like, man, I really don't. Maybe the yellow rose, I don't know. Like, I don't, I mean, what are you What are you looking for? I'm like, fuck it, give me a tumbleweed with a line under it. He's like, all right, cool. So we go to soundcheck, come back, and he's got this this thing drawn up. I don't know where I'm going to get it. And so I start drinking a little bit more. And um, we get in, <clears throat> we get in there, and we start, he starts doing work. And I walk out with a uh, tattoo of a tumbleweed with Amarillo by morning underneath it on my right ass cheek Yeah, uh, for Amarillo. So shout out George. <laughs> who, was it? who wrote that song? Was it? I said was it, it was like Terry Stafford and Terry some Stafford. other dude. Okay. Terry Stafford was like this Amarillo Somebody guy, released that song I, lo- I read one time way before George Strait ever cut it. It was really? released in like the 70s. He recut oh, it. Yeah. I read that one time, like 1974, 1972 or something. But when did it come out? Like anyways, 90? you do have the title of it tattooed. I think it like came out in you know? like 82, 80s? 81. As far as like George's cut, dude. Really? Yeah. But regardless, you think of those as George Strait songs, yeah, not as really somebody really else's. Know. Even though that person wrote it, and that's fine, yeah. but at some point like it, it transitioned to being a George Strait song, and that became a little bit more important. And my entire point on, that, on all of that was that uh, like he wasn't just doing karaoke up there. He was like part of the, the creative process, you know? And he started at Cheatham Street where we played tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you guys are going on this uh, acoustic or duo yeah. duo acoustic. The, uh, naughty or nice tour is what we've called it. Yeah. The naughty. You, you thought of that, right? I think, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah. Yes. I didn't even know it was going to be called that. He was like, what the fuck are we going to call this? And I was like, I don't know. What about the naughty or nice? He was like, yeah, I dig it. And it, I don't even think it was set in stone. And then. I seen something he had posted. It was like not even nice to I was like, "Bet, let's do it." So here we are, now, first annual. Now that's it. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it'll be the majority will be naughty. Yeah, it's a very good chance. That seems to be the trend lately. But I mean, it's a it's a it's a cool thing to uh, be able to not. Uh, I don't like we don't we don't ever really see each other all the time. Yeah. So we're always in yeah. other places, you know. So just like four straight days. 
and it's not really the hassle <laughs> of like the full band on the road. Like, yeah, I texted him this morning. And I was like, he was about to be in the most cush four days <laughs> we have ever had on the road. Yeah, like okay, see, like a lot of those times, I feel like those are just whenever you're on like an acoustic tour, it's a where you're able to like decompress in a way, yeah. right? And you're just riding with somebody else in a car, exactly. and I guess we're taking our rig, so we'll yeah. be yeah, we'll be so together. It's be us two, both of our tour managers, and then our merch guys. So it's gonna be six of us for four days, chilling. Jesus, and y'all are all riding. Yeah, that's that's a whole other story <laughs> in itself. But anyways, yeah, it's it's. I'm excited. It'll absolutely. Yeah, I said that earlier too. I was like, dude, I'm like fucking it's stoked. Pretend for all four days that we're in Midland. And it is the, definitely makes it an official hell of a year. Like, yeah, absolutely for sure. This is a great way to go out, 2017. Yeah. You you just recently re- released that new record. I feel like uh, when I saw you all at Jabfest, like as far as the live show goes, 100 times better than the last time I had seen you guys. Like you Thank guys you, had just like went from being – and I, I, like I thought it was like the last time I saw you all was here in Blue Light, and I thought it was okay. But like at Jabfest, I thought you guys Thank had you, like man. everything kind of like – Man, Down I, I kind of struggle with the, you know, I really like playing smaller bar. Like, I like playing, mm-hmm. like, I like playing Saxon Pub and Austin, which we haven't gotten to do that in a long time. But, um, man, I kind of struggle with the smaller venues. I feel like, you know, like last night, ACL Live playing Moody Theater or, you know, Jab Fest or Larry Joe Taylor, like, the difference between my adrenaline, you know, and I try to be a professional and not really let that affect me, but, like, the difference between my adrenaline of playing the Saxon Pub versus playing Larry Joe Taylor, which you could probably understand. Yeah. You know, you don't ever want to be like that, but I think it's a very natural, like, reaction to that is so much different. So when you play Jab Fest versus, you know, a 300-person room, you know, like, and when you do this a lot, like, we do this every weekend, dude, throughout the year, all year long. Mm-hmm. When you step on face place for Jab Fest, you're like, this is why we bust ass all the time, like... <clears throat> There's a it's like fuck a ton of to people. Play for that many people, man. Like, yes. Getting to see all those faces and getting to play that big of a stage, and there's no rules besides like don't act like a total idiot. We went front <laughs> row at Jab Fest. <laughs> yeah, me. All right, so me and Parker, like I said, we both been done playing for like an hour or two, and um, there was a point we were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we never had a little bit too much. Uh, Tito's. Rump, it was Rumpel. Was it was it, it Tito's or Rumpel? I don't know. We had know, we, we had, had, we had a bottle in each hand. Yeah, and so like I'm like, P, you, you trying to go on the crowd? And he's like, Ah, uh, yeah, fuck it, let's go. So we start. We go out there. No, that's not how it went. You said, <laughs> No, you said, Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, we gotta go. Wow, we made it like 200 yards, yeah. and then here come a wave of people. Then we got. Me and him like sprinted like another hundred yards, and then we met up with another group of Slid people. Slid down a rock hill at one point, yeah. throwing bottles of whiskey over the hill. Like it, it was fun for us though, because it was like, I mean, it takes you back to like, I don't know, hide and seek when you were with all your boys back in the day, like whenever you're younger. I don't know, it was it was a fun time because we're gonna take pictures and talk to people and shit. And but we went then we got we went straight down to the crowd uh-huh. to the pit and got front row and jazz it was also playing. Your idea. It was it was sick, man. We had a great time. I look back, Parker's not there, so I have to make my own. Dude, I lost – I was wearing those suspenders, and all the suspenders got ripped off. All my chains got ripped off. That's why I haven't wearing necklaces for <laughs> two months now. That dude had – we're still waiting on those – whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was it was insane. That was also his idea, though. Yeah. So That night after here at Blue Light was pretty fun. Yes. It was uh, 
That's what we were saying before that even happened. We were like, and like I, whenever I first got here and I seen you, we were like, yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, we're going to have a good time, whatever. Hopefully it won't be another 4 o'clock, you know, night. And then here we are at 3.30 in the morning. We're still at the bar. And yeah. It was me. You, you, wrote that, you wrote that, like, summary of that. Yeah, because I thought that, that was, night. you know, just really – it was a part of a bigger piece on – jab but then i thought like well this is really not fitting in here mm-hmm. and so like it was about like uh don williams had just died and i remember yeah. y'all walking through singing mm-hmm. and uh we're saying good old boys right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i know like will uh the last time we had the 806 singer songwriter thing for about 30 minutes me and him just talked about don williams and this obviously this was like before he passed away and we talked about you know just don williams as a songwriter and a or a, not really a songwriter but as like an artist right he's another guy who did a whole lot of covers right so and he was he's from uh he was born in florida so like we kind of talked about him being from the the panhandle and uh, is it florida the pumpkin capital see i've heard that i have no idea no, i did a radio <laughs> interview there we did a radio interview there dude for all seven people in that town and which is a great town is the pumpkin capital of the world well, i believe it i guess i mean but uh yeah, so I know, like, Will was kind of, I, I don't know, obsessed with Don Williams already. And then whenever we were out there, we were just hanging out. It was, it came out even again. Mm-hmm. That was a fun night, though. It was just. It was a great night. That was a it was slamming so many, night. So many dude. musicians. It was like, I don't know. Anytime you come to Blue Light, I mean, you never know who you're going to run into. But Yeah, Red was that, here yeah, just Red. randomly. Yeah, me and Red had us a late night. And, and Red is a dad. Congratulations to Red Shahan. He's yeah. a dad now. Um, yeah, I just sent him a picture this week that I found. I was looking through something on some social media, something, and found a picture of me and him that night. Somebody had posted somewhere and sent it to him. And he said, that was pre-dad Red. <laughs> now he's dad Red. So <laughs> that's cool. And that's uh, that's kind of another thing, man, that I don't know. I don't think. Like, yeah, we just – it's very lonely. You know, it gets pretty lonely. The road is lonely. Yeah, you get – find yourself staring out the window, you know, no matter how many people were in the bar that night. You know, it's – I don't know. It's it's rowdy. I mean, we're very, very lucky and very blessed, but that's definitely a part I think that is reoccurring in everyone's mind is how much – you miss everything, dude, and you're yeah. gone all the time. But, you know, the flip side of that is you get to chase your dreams, so – yeah. I mean, I think, like, now, obviously, I Can't Breathe is about that, right? And uh, there's a lot of people who write songs about, uh, like, I guess a great example is that Zane Williams song, While I Was Away, that Pat Green yeah. cut, right? Um, I think, like, back in the 80s, it was more um, guys singing about that, but, like, going – I like, the reason I'm even bringing – that up is that I remember uh, I was listening to a song uh, by George Strait called Lonesome Rodeo Cowboy, which is about that. But it, like, I feels like all the 80s songs were about like rodeo guys who were like, and you can, I mean, Amarillo by Morning, right? Cowboy Rides Away. All of those are about, about, right? About like a rodeo cowboys uh, being left by the wife or the girlfriend and just continuing the rodeo life i mean that's very similar to music for sure yeah i feel like the rodeo circuit's a lot like yeah have you guys done a whole lot of going into uh 
characters? Like, were you, I, I know you guys are really a lot of like first person writers, but have you delved into trying to like get into another character yet? Is there been a whole lot of, of that? Oh, there was a, I wrote a song, I don't know, probably four or five years ago. It was on our album, Parole album. It was called Gravedigger. It was just about like a, a dude that was, you know, he he worked at a cemetery and that's all he did was, you know, dug graves and he was lonely as hell. Like, the only time I got to see people was when they were dead. So he, had, he was trying to figure out, you know, their entire life. And mm-hmm. after dark, it all, like the cemetery came alive. It was, I don't know, that's probably like the only time I've actually like done that though. I know, like you said, we would write a bunch of first-person shit, so. First-person, um, for sure. Dude. It's a lot easier to write, though, because, I mean, it's it's stuff that you've experienced. It's stuff that. You don't have to make it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing that you actually have enough. It's, I don't know, just like I said, it's a lot easier to uh, to write. But. Yeah. Or is it just because, like, you haven't finished writing about yourself yet? You that still got more stuff. Man, that's kind of, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm not a like an emotional person whatsoever. I don't like to talk about this. That's probably why. I've, I mean, I know girls, every girl I've dated, and it's just only been a, a few girls, but they're all just, you know, you don't talk about anything, which is, I know yeah. it's a common thing, but. Yeah. So, like, songwriting's kind of where, you know, my little scapegoat there is where. But people want to hear about that. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, and, and a lot of people can relate to that. Like, you know, majority of people are mad at somebody or somebody's done them wrong or something you know and so mm-hmm. um we're no different man it's a you still our occupation's different but you know we still got the same relationship struggles which i think is just kind of a common ground so many people relate on um yeah for sure i mean there's just i mean we can't be the only people that feel the way we do yeah you know? so i feel like a bunch of our fans they I mean, come out and that see down. us every night because of it you know because of they feel the same way that we do and that song kind of captures them. If it's that that moment that they're going through in their life or a past experiences they've had, like I don't know, I feel like that's why people are showing out like this. It's hard, dude. <clears throat> it's very hard. I would say, yeah, probably wrong was our. It was my second record. Limestone Kid was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like when we put Limestone Kid out, there was no, we didn't have fans. Like, dude, I was just smoking pot sitting on my couch. You know, like. Yeah, hanging out, trying to make money however I could or whatever, and um, I would play like the Saxon Pub in South Austin, and I just like the only thing that I really had that I could talk about enough to fill a song and three verses in a bridge and course whatever was like, you know, shit going on with the Tridelts across West Campus. You know, I was living on YouTube campus. I wasn't even going to school there. I was just there, <laughs> you know, trying to hang out with chicks and. You know, I was I wasn't playing shows or anything. I play every now and then in the Saxon Pub, but yeah, all I had to write about was that. And you know, two years, three years later, all I still have to write about is now. <laughs> now it's just the lack thereof. Then it was it was you know I had much more time to I don't know I guess chase girls. Now it's just you know you roll in, you play, you make everybody routine. Like yeah, routine and you try to avoid that too. You yeah. don't, you know, like you, you want every night to be its own thing and then fans deserve that, you know, like they deserve to have everybody you every night. Yeah. You know, they pay their hard-earned money to buy a ticket and come see you. So uh, it's, I don't know, maybe we, it's, it's relatable, but it's, it's kind of all still, I guess all I have to really to write about is just what's really going on with like my real self. And back to what we said earlier about, you know, just, not even trying to, just like that's that's all you know. I, said, you, I can't 
to your character question, I can't like make people up. I can't yeah. make things up. Like, I just if something happens, not even if something happens, I just really just kind of bitching, I guess, just complaining well, like, kinda, like I mean, a motherfucker. Back to what you said, it was just like I don't feel like I'm I'm done like writing about the stuff that I'm going through right now. Yep. Like, I'm sure it's the same with you, but like <clears throat> I don't know. I've always told myself like I'm gonna do this whole old rock and roll band thing through my 20s and then you know in my 30s I want to really not dive not like because I'm trying to be the best songwriter that I can like I'm not I know I'm nowhere near where the fuck I want to be but you know I want to <clears throat> I want to do more of the whole songwriter deal more than the band deal you know whenever I'm a little bit more older mm-hmm. I don't know just because I feel like I've, I, <coughs> I've I would have seen more when I'm older like right now I don't I don't have a whole lot to write about. Like, I mean, yeah. all I got to write about is what I've experienced and what I'm going through right now. So, like, I don't know. I guess that's why. See, I think, like, a lot of that right there is uh, what I like about that is um, your audience can grow with you. Or, you like, you're, like, you're going to be. It's kind of that Ryan that? Adams style kind of thing, man. Yeah. Like, he went Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. He was Whiskey Town. Mm-hmm. Puts out Ashes and Fire. He's got. Uh, yeah. What is the name of that record? Uh, gold? Is that the name of it? Yeah, Gold. With New York, New York, New York and all yeah. that. Dude, I haven't even... You know, him, him, Ronnie Crowell, Jason Isabel have all put out new records that I just... I'm like, dude, it takes me a while, you know, like... Well, see, this year has been... There's been so much fucking music. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to... Sometimes it's it's hard to uh, digest it all, it's right? everybody's buying and, records. And like, everybody's you're like, put out music, dude. You gotta put it out consistently. Well, I mean, like, that's... I, like. I've used I've said this a thousand times now, but I really kind of just stole it from B.J. Barham. It's like uh, back in the day, you'd put out a record or you'd tour to sell your record, yep. and now it's the other way around. So, but there's been a fucking ton of great music this last year, and some records I think that the first time you listen to them, you're like, oh okay, but it takes ten times to That's listen what we're to it. About to last time I was with you. It was like, yeah, yeah, it, it does. Because like, I'll I'll go through like. I don't know, for me, like reading a book, I'll, re- I'll read a book once, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then it's like the second time that I go through and skim through it that I actually, you know, pick up on stuff that I didn't get the first time. Yeah. The same with records. Like, I'll listen to one, I'll be like, yeah, that was that was good. And I listen to it the second time, I'm like, holy shit, that was great. Or I mean, expectation kind of, you know, like if, if someone's like, dude, you got to check out, and just like a Netflix yeah. show or anything, <laughs> some, you got to check this out. Or a, a Somebody builds something up so much. When you watch it the first time, you – Rarely does it actually meet yeah. your expectations. When you really go back and give it the time of day, which is what I had to do with my own record, probably wrong. Like when it, when I, you know, was done writing it, I was like, I just didn't feel like I had done what I wanted to do. And then once it was done recorded, I was a little more over the fence, and I was like a little more, I guess, just happier with it. And uh, now I'm kind of like, you know, I saw a John Mayer tweet the other night that was like, your songs are as good as they are right now as they were when you thought the most of them yeah when you were most excited about it like they are that good you know regardless of how many times you listen to them or change your opinion or they you know so i don't know another thing making records tell kids to stop making or don't stop making records yeah okay so like you basically put out the record in three chunks yes ep1 ep2 ep3 yes right oh yeah i guess full album yeah um, what went into the, into that, went into the thought process of, I guess, like dividing it up like that. So dude, I had had the idea to maybe just release it 
you know, periodically to just kind of prolong the release and the exposure. Mm-hmm. With it just fast as everything's traveling today through kids' heads. Like, you know, you can be so hyped on one thing one week and the next week, you know, like whether, I mean, even a mass shooting, like an extremely oh, tragic shit. event, the next week there's like another one that's yeah. captured your attention. So I was trying to kind of find a way to navigate through that, you know, with without going about it the wrong way. And the, so everybody I'd talked to about it, you know, and management and stuff had kind of pushed that idea. They didn't really like that um, or didn't give it much of the time of day. And then John Mayer comes out with the search for everything this year, you know, volume one, two, three, and four. And it was like, hey, maybe we should do that. Yeah. And so we did it. And it was it wasn't the same, you know, structure, same style, but it was close to it. Uh, and, it, dude, it was really just a – kind of you know kids have so much coming at them it was like man instead of giving you a whole chapter book like here's a couple chapters check it yeah. out if you like it check out some more um and we were really lucky and blessed that they like chapter one so yeah or the first part of it because i think like so many everything's coming so quick like you said but like part of it too is like uh you go through your phases i feel like people go through phases a lot quicker these days um you're just okay i'm so gung-ho about this i fucking love this oh my god there's this thing now and i love that more and sometimes you know you release a record and uh you're not going to release another record for another year and a half two years and it, it part of like doing the ep thing is like you're staying relevant you know you're staying in the uh the moment for a lot of these fans keeping their attention I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. And dude, it's, and it's in, I'll say this, I say this all the time too in the van with the guys. I'm like, we're just in, we're still, it seems like we've come out of it a little bit, but just with all of the social media and technology and it's yeah, fast. It's like a you different said, age now. Like. But it's still, it's not all the way reached like it's destination yet. Do you all yeah. feel like that? Like, yeah. like it's still evolving into like, okay, remember like, I'm sorry, remember like that decade or, or when that was going on, you know, and now it's like cool again. It's It seems like everything's, Pretty well, chaotic social media still. Is taking over so hard, like. But no, it, it, but there's no like control. You know, there's no like formula or anything. Everything's just no rule book. You know, if I, it I hits, think it that hits. Like, if it doesn't, it doesn't. I would have. Um, I w- I'm glad like you you put them all together in a, a full length record because I feel like still, a hundred years from now, ten years from now, the full length record matters. Like, it, it ages way way better than an EP ever will. Um, well, it's like someone suggested to me one what? time when that you should instead of doing records nowadays you should do singles and you should just record a few singles at a time release them through the year. Like, what are you going to do for your live show? Yeah. You're going to yeah. play covers and play your three singles. Like, we got to fill a 90 minute show every night at the least. So, yeah. everyone go buy my yeah. eight singles over there. Well, yeah. you have eight records out now, eight songs. Yeah, yeah you don't want to. I, dude, I just like making yeah. records, man. I like the vibe of of how my mind gets when it's like, and I and you know, I know we're still kids. Like I've only done it twice, but the second time is very fresh. Like a month ago or whatever, however, however many months ago, I'd only made one record. Yeah. So like my whole just, it's almost like a change of season. You know, like you're going into record making mode. Like let's go make an album. And yeah. now you just got to do it more often than you did before. Yeah. And there should be no excuses. Yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of drunk. I've never made a record, so. <laughs> I'm rambling. <laughs> no, this is what we want, though. This is what the people like is this rambling. That's why y'all gave us daiquiris before we played. Exactly. Um, 
<laughs> so like where, where are you guys at in the the next record like what what are you guys doing as far as um we're writing for it like uh we've been in the studio we've tracked two or three songs just to, you know just kind of to fill out a, a single to push here just kind of give the people something you know and they are heaters I don't know, heaters. Man. I have them all in my Dropbox, and they <laughs> are heaters. But uh, I don't know, man. We're just we're not trying to rush anything. Like we don't want to go. I don't want to go in the studio and and feel like we have to put. You know, we have to get something out. You know, I don't want to yeah. go in there and and not give the songs justice at all. You know, just kind of go in with you know two verses and two choruses and call it a fucking song, and everybody be like, oh yes, yeah, great. You know, they like it because they like noise complaints so much. Like I don't want. I don't want our fans to have to feel obligated to, to like shit just because it's shit, you know. So, yeah. Like we're not, we're not, uh, we're not rushing anything, man. I'm trying to take my time with these songs and actually, you know, make them what they are and give them the the justice that I feel they need. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. We've been in, we've recorded a little bit. Uh, we haven't. There's no set time on this next record. Um, I don't know, man. We're just kind of taking our time and. Just kind of feeling it out when it comes, it comes. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you said earlier you were like not good at doing co writes. Are you, are you kind of that way? Dude. Are you gotten better? See, like <laughs> love, we didn't, yeah. that wasn't like when you co write, when people say co write, they mean literally this is how it goes. And I've, I've been to Nashville a couple times and kind of in, you know, some outside, and my manager asked me to go do it and just kind of test it out, right? Which mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. It's like new food, you know, like. Yeah. Don't be that guy. You know, like, go try something new. Like, you never know who you might meet, whatever. And it was a great experience. And I'll go do it again a little bit. Um, but like you said earlier, I'm just not done writing about what yeah. I got to say. Um, but when we wrote Love, like, there was no – we didn't. it wasn't like a typical co-write where we went in the room and, and wrote the song. Like, he had had this, the song, those two verses, and I think a chorus, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, – <clears throat> And I guess Jake or whatever had had it on his phone or let me listen to it. And I was just like, I mean, you knew lake, right away. We were at Jake's house. Were at the lake house, house. yeah. Holy at shit. At the lake house. And I don't know, we were, we were pretty tore up. Yeah. Like, like we were just passing Jake, the guitar he, back and forth. He went to bed. It was just <laughs> us. And, uh, it was me and P. And like, we were passing the guitar back and forth just playing new songs. He was playing stuff off probably. I oh, went probably wrong, but. It might have been yeah, some of that, were, yeah. We were playing new songs. Yeah, it might have been. And uh, I don't know, I was like, hey, man, I got this, I got this new song that. I'm thinking about, you know, cutting one of the songs off of Noise Complaint and throwing it on there. And I played it for him because this was in whenever we were recording Noise Complaint. And I played it for him. He was like, bro, what the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that is raw. And he was like, let me come on. He was like, I got a third verse for it. Let me come on. And I was like, all right, bet. So, um, well, he had texted me and said, if you have a third verse, send it yeah. to me. And I was in my room. And so when I... I really did not have the verse finished you, yet. You were writing for Rob. I did not have the verse finished yet. Yeah. And so I have big, huge pieces of paper on my wall. And he had texted me that. Jake was in the studio with us. Yeah, finished yeah. it, sent it to him. And he had, I said, is it cool if I kill her off? I was like, can I kill her? And he's like, the girl in the song, or whatever the song's about. He's like, yeah, 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 that's tight. That's cool. So I, like, finished the verse. And I don't know, I sent him a picture of it on the wall or maybe sent him a recording or whatever the words was. Yeah, and he was Jay, like, Jay did you just write that? And I was like, yeah, in like 10 seconds. He was like, okay, we're going to do that. Jake was in the studio with us, and and uh, Jake showed me the picture that Pia sent to him. 
He was like, what do you think? I said, tell the motherfucker to come in. Let's, let's get this right now, dude. Yeah. And I don't even think like I had planned day. on singing at that point. I think it had just been, can I get one of those, man? That'd be, thank you. Um, I don't even think I, by, I don't think that, maybe I was wrong, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't even aware I would, or we'd even talked about singing on the on the song. It was just about writing it, and then he was like, just come sing it. It was at the church, right? Yeah, that yeah. was the, yeah. yeah. We recorded noise complaint at a church. I really didn't even so. know what was going on there. Yeah, we like pull up to this building, and I'm like, it's like it was early in the morning. It was like nine, ten a.m. And Jake was driving me there, and where was that? It was around Fort Worth. All yeah. the adults are gonna be like early in the morning, ten yeah. o'clock Dude, in the morning. No, that's not early. Walking <laughs> through that church, you walk through that church, and then you open that door, and there's just a full-on studio guitars all down the wall, like. Legit, and went in there. I think we did it in two takes, and that was it. It Yeah, the song was super raw. Anyway, I think we went in and tracked it one time, just going through full band, and then I went through saying, and you went through and did it. It was like thirty minutes. Just went in, tracked it, and that was it. I mean, it was. I think you had to come back and do. You had to do one more run because of. well, remember, because originally it was us singing to each other. Yeah. And so I had to change that one word so that because it sounded like me and Co were singing about each other in the song, the original yeah. recording, which I'm sure is somewhere. And so we it changed was a one word. Church, to, so we couldn't we couldn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> so. When it said, "Oh yeah, that's what it is." When a broken heart and a bullet mark was all that she left was yeah. originally all that you left. Yeah, all that you left. And it Jake called him like, "Bro." <laughs> It sounds like you and Co are singing together on love. Like, yeah, we gotta, we like, gotta dude, fix we got to change something here. Like, this is not gonna work. So we so changed like, one word. Right, cool. Yeah. So I went back and changed it. See, I, I always think like co-writing works so much better when it's just organic yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Where it's kind of, you know, off the cuff in a, in a lot of ways. I know like, uh, like Will, Will and Charlie Shafter wrote the song "Drunk on Desire" together. And, like, Charlie Shafter does not do co-writes. And uh, Will kind of said that the way they, they even started that song out was he basically baited Shafter into it. He was like, all right, we're going to just talk. And, like, they ended up, like, getting where he got him uh, drunk enough to, like, start writing the song. Because, like, Charlie's just kind of like, cool. I'm not going to fucking – I don't write. I don't, I'm not going to write with you. I can't co-write either. And either. I, I think, like, that's something where – um, it's like seeing people do the, the, the co-write stuff on the, on the 806 thing. It's interesting to see like people just trying to work back and forth, but also, um, you know, I've heard on the other side where people are like, well, you got to think about it this way is like, if I have this really great idea and I don't really know this person, I don't want to waste the song idea with this person or the, like with the chance of this song not becoming a song yeah. or becoming a bad song that we don't cut and then I've kind of wasted that idea in a way I don't know I feel like I don't know just like whenever I write a song I don't expect to to go ahead and cut it like I don't finish the song and I'm, I'm automatically like hey I'm going to record this song like it's definitely going to be on the record like whenever I write a song I'm first off I'm pumped as fuck that I actually wrote a song. It could sit for a while. Yeah, though. but, like, there's songs that I'll go back on that I've wrote. Like, well, like with Noise Complaint, there was there were songs on there that I wrote two years ago that I I forgot totally about and went back and, and tracked it. And, like, uh, there's four or five songs that didn't make Noise Complaint that I'm looking at now, and I'm like, holy shit, man, why didn't we cut this song? 
and is kind of in the loop to throw on this new record. So I don't know. I don't. I don't ever want to look at a song and just go like straight up. Yeah, we're definitely putting yeah. it on the record just because it's a song and we wrote it. Like I don't know, but like I said, I'm not. I'm not very good at co-writing. I've I've tried. I can co-write with my cousin, but like he's he's the only like because he's he's the dude that I learned pretty much everything I know about songwriting. So. Like that's the only. Didn't he write wine glass? Yeah, he wrote wine glass. That's still. I think that's. <coughs> that's like top three favorite co songs. Wine glass. He's got glass. so many songs, dude. And he's just not even. I don't even think he's really even songwriting anymore. He's just kind of chilling. Is he older than you? Uh, yeah, he's twenty, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Yeah. My brother's older than I am. He's yeah. six years older than I am. He's kind of that. That influence for kinda, me. Yeah, like you looked up to Tyler all the yeah. time. Like you, that was your dude that you looked up to. So anything he wrote, you like hell yeah. yeah. My older brother is a monster songwriter. Yeah. He is like bad yeah. monster dude. songwriter. He wrote "Learn to Fly," which is was on the new record, and he wrote "Prohibition Rose," which is on the Limestone Kid. Um, yeah, he's he's raw, dude. He was like when I was, dude, even like eleven, twelve years old, and. And I remember him asking me if I knew who Towns Van Zant was, and I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like that was that was the first time I heard Tecumseh Valley. You yeah. know, like he at that young, and uh, I just remember I had no friends that knew who those guys were. Like their dads would hear me listen to their songs and be like, How in the world is this twelve year old? You know, and so yeah, it was all about. I say, and I say that all the time. I say it, in, you know, pretty much since I started playing, was that he was kind of the one that just. You know, I probably would have been. You have to have like that one person to have to be the yeah. gateway. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it, I mean, I guess that's with anything, and it, or I guess that's with anything. Sorry, I'm drunk, but no, I really, like am the Decker's got to me. Sound. I'm slurring my words, but you got to have that influence, man. You got to. Hey, <clears throat> if you don't, kudos to you for figuring that shit out on your own. Like going back to you know Chase, my cousin, he was. Whenever I was in high school, whenever I was first getting into Texas music, he was down in San Marcos, and all he ever talked about was Ken Finley and yeah. Cheatham Street and Song going to Songwriter yeah. Circle and all that shit, dude. So, like, that was Wish just, we should pop in soon. Like, I had – my mind was so – like, the world of Texas music was so big, and I was just like, oh, my God. So it just, like, it fired me up. And then once we got to college, we started, we had, we started the band and everything, dude. It was – I don't know. I always had that, that – I don't know drive to I don't know play Texas music I guess yeah <laughs> but I, we and we've talked about it man and you know Pete, the Texas label is like is an honor to have you know it's like that's what all, all I wanted as a kid and I kind of think we both kind of have the same ideas like dude how far can we take that you know can you go national can you go global without sacrificing yeah the songwriting which is really kind of or the control really over the music like both of us we're completely independent no music is being put out that is not 100 percent. first of all created from probably our bedrooms or living rooms like that's that's where the music is being created mm-hmm. what we want yeah and it's and it's not coming it's not being released unless it is absolutely what we want to put out there so if we can hang on to that and still go to that, those you know, like that's that's the ultimate goal, you know, to where yeah. your your original fans and the people like that were hey, when, when you don't have that control, it takes away from the creative side. Absolutely. Of well, like so much of the like the Freedom. Texas label yeah. is, um, it's at the beginning or there, there's a lot of stuff about being from Texas that's great as far as the music scene goes. It's very supportive. Everything. There's great. a 
there's an infrastructure, but at some point, like also you don't want to, uh, you want to get outside that circuit board. You know what I mean? You want to get out and get to other places in the country. And I think like turnpikes really done a really great job of being able to do that. Um, and like, even like Bingham, Bingham really, you know, Dude, he serves he was, in like LA and <laughs> Australia on acoustic yeah. tours. Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, when he did that, the record Tomorrowland, one of his big points, and I, I mean, I don't know if he would really say this, but I think one of it was just to kind of shake the, that, the, the Texas label. Um, and then that last record kind of went back further towards his original sound, you know, but. Oh no, I've always said that I want to, I want you know, our music to take me places because, like, I, I love traveling. So, man, there's, you know, I want to see, I want to see the world, but there's there's places in the United States that I haven't seen. I want to go all over the United States. I want to see, you know, every possible place that I can before I die. So, like, I don't know, man. I want I want my music to take me there. And yeah, I, we're with going Texas to, tatted on your forearm yeah, the whole time. Yeah, with Texas, yeah, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> never forgetting where we came from. But well, I, so I saying love, you can go to that next level and and go national or even globally, you know, like like bands in the yeah. past for sure have and are doing right now. But it's possible. It's fun, you can yeah. always just don't do that without you know like always continue to come home and slam in Texas and like come home and play for the people that yeah you know Major. we're coming to your show yeah we're coming to your shows when you know you were doing the yeah we're doing sleeping on couches yeah holy <laughs> shit. Sleeping on uh, dude, I was sleeping on Wade Forster's couch right before I put out the Limestone Kid, and I, I think never sleep on my couch anymore. I think that's something too is like, I think people like fan bases are kind of just they don't realize just how much of a struggle it is those first few years as an artist, or even like five, ten years into it can be. They sometimes feel like it's the, well, you know. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's almost famous, right? And, like, yeah. that's everybody. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that. Dude, with the Limestone Kid, that was kind way. of my whole goal for so long. I was like, dude, I want to do it young, do it young as a kid. Like, I'm always like, okay, did I do this by this age? Did I do this? But I played <laughs> Billy Bob's main stage by 25. Did I? Like, those are, these mm-hmm. are all my goals I had. Um, and now I've kind of found myself like, man, if you're really trying to do this for the rest of your life, you know, like, you I don't, and I just think much more along the grand scheme of things, you know, instead of just like my twenties. I was just saying, like, yeah, I was the same way. Like, I wanted, uh, I wanted, I wanted everything, like that we're doing now. right now. Yeah, I wanted everything that we're doing right now. Whenever I was like nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, wherever we first started out, and I didn't get why the fuck we weren't doing it. I was like, you know, what, what are we, what are we doing wrong that we're, you know, we're not where Josh, Evans, you know, Randy Rogers, all those guys are. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, you know. But looking back on it now, it's like we weren't ready for it. I'm I'm super glad. Yes, I say that, that all the time. I'm so glad that it didn't happen then because you know I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to handle this. I was shit, not dude. ready for it, dude. We you know like Co was opening for us acoustic like 18 months ago, yeah. a year you know, a year and yeah. a half ago. We Co be like yo, like we we were fucking you know we were trying to just anything to play music, dude. Yes, we, we didn't give a fuck where it was. But we we Where? had just we had started yeah. like we had started touring a little bit before Co. So we like you know we were trying to help them out, but we did not. They were always like I said, he was always asking us, "What do we do here? What do you, like you know we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do." Yeah, it was cool that like we always you know we kind of came up at the same time. And I would always just be like, 
dude, I don't fucking know. I have no idea what we're doing. Like, I would say, I'd be like, dude, we're playing catch up. Like, when I put out the limestone kid and meet you in the middle was released, like, dude, I just, we just, I just put that out there. Just fucking around, literally. And that was almost three years ago in April. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's, I had no idea what to do for a second. Yeah, I had no, no clue. We just, I always knew that I, that I wanted to and that, somehow or some way it would happen um and obviously my ultimate our ultimate goals have not been reached yet but no, man we've reached some we've reached some okay ones yeah you know in a short amount of time so i don't know we're lucky i said blessed, as yeah, hell. blessed and lucky <laughs> and just right time and thanks yeah. yeah i don't know it's cool <laughs> <laughs> and the songwriting so will sick. will stay like <clears throat> people always say not to guarantee anything but the songwriting will always stay like you know the most important thing yeah i've, I've I made think two records and never said the word beer on any of them so <laughs> yeah you can do it too <laughs> have you okay have you used any substitutes though you know i've i i used to say that and say i never said beer or girl but i realized galveston bay says girl which i didn't write that song my older cousin wrote that song and that says girl yeah so uh, my whole thing on the girl is it's it's okay Say girl as long as it's not like the first hey, word. It's kind of like girl. the F word. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like it's kind of like uh, the F word. Like if you notice, like when Brian Bingham says the F word, it's like yeah. you're never like, man, that was gay, yeah. or yeah, or that was dumb. Yeah. You know, I know I shouldn't say gay anymore, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to be. People jump on your ass about that for sure, but I don't know. I he, agree. Bingham came and did it right. Now he's surfing in LA surfing, every day. So, riding his horse. yeah. So yeah, I saw him and Steve Earle at Whitewater Amphitheater this year in New Braunfels. I was texting you when you were at this yes. show. Yes, we were sitting on the very yeah, back. We were. What was that? Whitewater. Yeah, we uh-huh. were in. Uh, we, yeah, I was. That was on a Sunday naked night. in the in the hallway, and like people were coming in like two or three in the morning. I was like, "What the hell?" They're like, "Hey, are you Cove?" And I'm in my <laughs> boxers, just trying to charge my phone. I'll tell you what, about, about 10 to 15 times every single night that we play a show, somebody comes up to me and says, dude, I know Cole Wetzel. Cole Wetzel is my friend. Are like, you and Parker really friends? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just he came in the studio one time. I had no clue who the fuck he was. Yeah. Let him sing on the record. Okay, my mom still even says that. Are you playing with Cole tonight? Cole. I still have an aunt that calls me Cole. No <laughs> shit. I swear, my aunt Sissy. Cole, how are you? And I'm like, Sissy, this, is, this isn't right. But whatever. Do you mess up her name on purpose, though? I Just don't. The... It's, it's Sissy. It's, she's, uh, she's a live wire, so I mean, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. and, and none of this, like, none of this would be possible if the dudes that have done it before us had not yeah, laid it out there, you know? Like, yeah. It was up when they were, you know, doing what we're trying to do. You yeah. Know? Like, they, they were the ones that got it up. I remember, like, when I first moved up here for school, uh, like, the like 105, the Rebel was not yeah. a thing. And, like, I'm not, like, I really don't listen to the radio because I'm not really just driving around out much. But, anyways, like, uh, one of the radio stations just had, like, a Texas country radio hour. And, like, that's all it was. But, like, I... I remember catching that all the damn time. And 
thinking like now you think about it like that kind of sounds absurd mm, to yeah. think that like there would be a just a texas country radio hour on a radio all, station and yeah. not like a station yeah. and um yeah I, I think like the basically from like i wrote this piece on charlie robison's my hometown and ragweeds uh 17 about how those two songs really uh just about like the the idea of a hometown playing like the two sides of it like we're you know trying to get out of town as quick as possible and the other side is like thinking of it as like a welcoming spot and how like those two songs really kind of came in at a perfect time for texas country to just explode so uh it's kind of strange to think that you know just 15 20 years ago a lot of this wasn't around. It doesn't seem that that far, like that long ago either. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time that I ever heard across was uh, my cousin. I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 11, and my cousin had their Live at Billy Bob's album. And I was I was thinking, like, who the hell are these guys, you know? And I listened to it, and it was something new and fresh to me. I was like, I, I had no idea what the hell I was listening to. And, Ever since then, I've been a Cross fan, so I don't know, man. Yeah. I remember exactly where my brother picked me up from fifth grade, dude, on a Friday afternoon and put 17 on by Cross (laughs) Canadian Ragweed. We were recruiting on 105 in Conroe, Texas. And, dude, I swear to God. Or, actually, we're on Luke 336 turning on to 105 in Conroe. And he was like, you got to hear this. And he put the CD in. Yes, CD. Yeah. CD. (laughs) One of those things. Yeah, and I was like. Holy shit. But I had heard, I mean, that was like, that was my second experience. First one was downloading uh, Three Days by Pat Green, or uh, George's Bar off of Napster. Yeah. See, okay, this is the thing, too, is like. She doesn't know what Napster is. She's too young lime for wire. you, dog. No. Or LimeWire. <laughs> okay, she doesn't know what LimeWire is. She's no. really too young. It's like, dog. everyone makes a joke about, yeah, back in we yeah. had CDs back then. But it's like. Really, the hardest shit was doing like the LimeWire stuff, yes. where you only could download. CD a was given to you. You get the song right there. One you, song. LimeWire yeah. was like you'd come back and check the to see what. Fucked with virus. <laughs> I can remember. I can remember LimeWire downloading uh, "Framed" by Chris Knight. That was the first song I ever learned to play and sing on guitar. And I can remember downloading all on LimeWire, listening to it, and my brother kind of taught me how to play it off of like cowboy lyrics. Yes, dude. Cowboy, <laughs> cowboy lyrics. <laughs> One of our songs on cowboy lyrics. I sent it straight to my cousin. I was like, "Bro, check out this shit." <laughs> <laughs> I had a whole notebook full dude. of laminate shit just that I downloaded <laughs> off of it. There is a song called "Hole in My Heart" or something like that. I was in seventh grade and I had submitted it. I tabbed it out myself and and wrote the lyrics and had my little account. It was like Yancey Cowboy, like, like done by Parker McCombs. Yes, it's it's. I think it's Yancey Cowboy was my username on there. I swear, I swear, dude. And and it's. I don't think the song's deleted, but the title, like if you search it, it'll still come up. You can click on it, and it's blank. Yeah, it's called Hole in My Heart. I think the Hole in My Heart it still hurts. The wind blows through, which I stole from. Uh, what's the dude that plays Tim Allen? In is that his name, Tim Allen? Yeah. yeah the I'm actor? Assuming, yeah. Yeah. What's Tim that movie where he's man? yeah, what he's there's a movie where he says, you know, it still hurts in my heart, the whole whatever. I don't know. And I wrote that anyways, it's on cowboy lyrics. <laughs> the Santa Claus or Toy Story. Dude, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, you can you can Google it. It's on there. It's worth the Google. Yes. <laughs> well. Yeah. If you didn't know Tim Allen got caught 
Yeah, well, I know. Santa Claus. He got caught <laughs> in the Detroit airport with like 75 pounds. I don't know, something like 70, a million dollars, $750,000, something like that of yeah. worth of Coke. In the yeah. 70s, went to prison for a while. And then yeah. came back and made like a million dollars an episode on Home Improvement. People oh like act way. like that's a, such a, you're acting right now, it's so strange. But you see his mugshot and you're like, yeah, yeah that dude was smuggling. Nug, <laughs> hey, nug ass mustache. Yeah. No Straight way. nugs. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. Go look up his mugshot. You're gonna go like, like yeah, okay. No wonder he, he was, was the young, he was the guy who was <laughs> searched. And now he's Santa Claus. Yeah, or he was. Wow. Buzz Lightyear. I mean, yeah. And that's another thing, <laughs> man. I'll I'll do for uh, for songwriting is I will watch old like movie. Like I always I'm always find myself trying to like light candles, you know, like in Christmas time that smell like Christmas. So kind of yes. like feel like you're a kid again, or like those how you felt when you were a kid. And I'll do that for songwriting. Like, I like I know like the way like my old apartment smelled when I wrote the Limestone Kid. I'm always trying to like, it's weird. I know that probably sounds weird. Well, it just brings back those vibes of where you were at at that yeah. moment. So well, hard. like smell is such a a strong thing. Like that's probably yeah. You're looking at the the mugshot now. <laughs> no yeah, that's Tim Allen. <laughs> Tim Allen. It wasn't. It, it was some a crazy amount of coke, dude. And he got caught. So Tim Allen, if you ever hear this, we're not talking shit. We envy you. <laughs> Not the getting cop part. Though. Yeah. Well, uh. <laughs> little did those cops. I wonder if those cops ever watched Home Improvement. Like, I'm so proud of this guy, really getting it together. Yeah. They would probably, they're probably like thinking they kind of taking some credit to. Yeah, if you make a million dollars selling Coke and a million dollars on a TV show. Yeah. Balling. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> balling. You're a cowboy. I saw my eight year old niece on Thanksgiving cowboy. how to say balling. <laughs> yeah, he is a cowboy. He's got a cowboy's mustache too. Yeah. Well, well we go on early, dude. We go yeah. on at eight fifteen tonight. You guys want to go ahead and cut this right here? Right, cool. We'll be good to go. Yes. Thank you guys so See much. See y'all later. Thanks Appreciate for having us. It. Yeah.